This is the CU 2.0 podcast with your host, Robert McGarvey. Big new ideas about credit unions. Big new ideas about credit unions. CU 2.0 podcast. Build a fintech from the ground up with security mind, especially and crucially if the fintech wants to work with credit unions. That is the one sentence takeaway from this 20 minute conversation with Shane Butcher. Director of CISO Operations at CUSO Ongoing Operations, and himself a past CU2 podcast guest. That's episode 85, link in the show notes. And Gary Jeter, who's the Chief Technology Officer at Truestone Financial Credit Union. At credit unions and the federal regulator, security is a non-negotiable must-have. Many tech companies forget that. You see the headlines. But those kinds of tech companies just aren't going to find a happy future working with credit unions or for that matter, banks, any regulated institutions that handle money. Along the way, you will also hear about the differences between CIOs and CTOs. Quick quiz, bonus points if you actually know the difference. You'll also find out where a CISO resides in a credit union and why. And listen closely. Jeter tosses out a fascinating idea for a new style 21st century safe deposit box that is there for data protection. And he suggests it just might bring in revenues down the line. Right there is what makes the CU2 VIP event so special. Clever ideas just pop up if you're listening for them. Just amazing ideas. You got to listen, though. You got to listen. So listen up to this podcast. So why don't you introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm uh, Gary Jeter. I'm the CTO of Truestone Financial Credit Union. Uh, we are a Four billion asset uh, credit union out of Minneapolis, and we have some branches in Wisconsin as well. Um, yeah, and I'm uh, Shane Butcher. I'm a director of CISO Services at Ongoing Operations. We're a uh, QSO that does disaster recovery, cloud hosting, and uh, various security services for credit unions nationwide. So today we're going to talk about cybersecurity and fintechs. What can you tell me about that? I'm pretty sure NCUA wants fintechs to be cyber secure. Well, I guess really kind of the first thing is uh, uh, Shane, just to kind of start from there, he's our uh, CISO. Um, so we uh, we partner with ongoing operations, and um, he provides us kind of that oversight, if you will, um, with our information security engineering and um, just does an absolutely brilliant job. And so I just wanted to kind of thank did you. Did you, you pay this guy? I, I did. Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 20 bucks on the way up here. <laughs> <laughs> you got your money's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to want 40 there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. a Definitely good at it. Yeah. But anyway, no, it's uh, not not necessarily looking for that. But uh, I think one of the, the great things is is he holds us accountable. So you know, when you look at, at FinTechs, um, and he reports out to our supervisory committee. Um, you know, the security is front and center. I mean, that's the one thing that keeps me up at night. Is you know. Um, you know, getting hacked. Uh, you know, something, um, an incident that occurs. And, uh, you know, man, so it's not a matter of when, it's if, or, or not if, it's when, right, to, to kind of correct that. But how do you minimize the blast radius? So, um, you know, one of the first things we do when we talk to fintechs is really look at their security posture. Well, you remember that fintechs generally, at least in their startup mode, security is not top of mind for them. And I can give you an example. I don't remember the details, but... Not long after PayPal acquired Venmo, there was a security breach in, in Venmo. And I talked with PayPal guys, and they said, basically, uh, 
Well, it was kind of baked into the, the program when we acquired it, and we didn't really expect things like that to be yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, we fixed it really easy because we have people who know how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it wasn't top of mind for them. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, you know, I think that's really the, the challenge, you know, that fintechs, especially if you're starting out, right, you've got to start with security in mind, right? We have to understand you know, not only what the regulators want, because we've got to comply with the regulators, but what do we really need to do to keep, you know, the credit union information safe and, you know, prevent those breaches and really hold ourselves to the same standards as the credit unions are being held to, right? Want to make sure that we, we start out with that strong information security program, uh, plan for uh, an, an exam, right? Because at ongoing operations, we actually have periodic exams. They're not as frequently as credit unions, but we get we get uh, examined just like the, the, the credit unions do. And so we have to, you know, be beholden to those. And if you're uh, a fintech really looking to set up to be SOC compliant, which is generally our minimum standard for anybody that's processing credit union data when we're helping, you know, folks like Gary do their vendor due diligence, you know, if, if you're setting up for that SOC, right, you're essentially ready for an exam and ready for audits and, and getting those security tools in line, but really have to start from the beginning with that in mind because to, to retroactively try to go back and do that is not impossible, but, you know, it's triple the work at that point. Yeah. So you're you're able to do vendor due diligence for for credit unions. We do, we do. Uh, so we work with uh, the team, you know, the credit union teams. They gather the the materials, uh, you know, through their business owners, and then send it over. And we actually do a risk rated uh, review of the the, the uh, vendor. So we don't we don't do the financial portion ourselves, but we look at their whole information security program, SOC documents, their BC, you know, business continuity and disaster recovery documents. Um, then usually these summary information security programs they send over and we do a whole analysis based on industry reputation, you know, pending litigation, anything that we can find and, and really send back a, um, a risk rating, you know, based on, uh, you know, some criteria, uh, to the credit union. So then they can actually, their business owners can then evaluate whether that risk is appropriate for them. Would NCUA accept your your analysis of a vendor? They do actually. They've uh, some of the examiners, and, and obviously, you know, every examiner is different, right? But um, we've actually had examiners tell the credit unions that, yeah, this is exactly what we we need and what they're looking for, right? You still have to do the financial portion, right? Yeah. But um, but from the information security, that's exactly what they're looking for. Is that is that what you're looking for when you make a deal with a fintech? Yeah, I mean, I think it's even beyond that, right? So there's all a review of all that material and the, that due diligence. But, uh, you know, what I kind of question them on is a lot of their operating discipline. What is their incident management process? When was the last time they did a tabletop? So it's really, you know, those type of things is, you know, kind of getting a gauge on their operating discipline is, is where I look at it. And it's the same type of thing um, that we do here. We do it at Truso. You know, we, we have key performance indicators. We look at those things and we make sure that uh, it would every month we're, we're monitoring those things. Do you think fintechs have gotten more disciplined about security? The ones that at least, yeah. at least the ones that are talking to credit unions. It, it's, it's actually, it's, I think it's generally, yes, but you're still see, especially some of the, the larger ones, it's kind of interesting. One of the areas that I see quite frequently that we have to address with, with um, the fintechs, especially when helping credit unions look at the contracts, is you know where data uh, resides, and then third-party um, uh, you know sub uh, vendors 
that may actually process that data that aren't in country, right? Because as soon as that data leaves our juris, you know, our jurisdiction or the borders of the United States, it becomes under the jurisdiction of that country, and we can't necessarily apply our GLBA regulations. So making sure that contracts include uh, those that they'll keep the data in the U.S. and that they, right, and that you know they won't transfer it out even if they have a third party in a, in a foreign country processing the data is one of the key things. And I've seen some of the bigger ones and even some of the smaller ones, you know, really push back on that a little bit until you know the, the credit union you know draws the line in the sand. But that's another thing to really take into consideration is. You know, you've got to keep that data in the U.S. for the credit unions to be compliant with the, the regulations. Yeah. Where, where is the data in Amazon Web Services? Uh, it's where you designate it, right? There's different regions. So you have U.S. East and U.S. West, but then there's other regions all over the world. So you, you, can, you can specify. You can, actually, when you set up the, the services, the, the provider specifies where to store it. Interesting. Yeah, I think I'll bump public cloud. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, do that, yeah. Yeah, Azure does as well. It's not always, that wasn't always the case. No, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. That. Now, have you ever had problems from a security point of view with a vendor? Yeah, I think off the top of my head, yeah. I can't. I can't remember having a having a problem. I think you know it's it's like in the news all the time, so it's kind of front and center for many. Of, uh, it's almost like it's a ticket to play. Uh, so I haven't. Had, I, yeah, I mean, I think never a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think other than like normal vulnerabilities, you know, things like the Kaseya. Um, you know, issue and the Solar Winds issue, uh, and heck, even the Microsoft Exchange uh, issue. You know, the, the the serious ones that really were affecting the industry wide. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen too many of the fintechs with those types of problems yet. But it's you know sometimes it's just a matter of time, right? And it's you know yeah the these bigger products, right? They're the ones that are discovered with these huge vulnerabilities because there's such a big you know uh, attack area, right? There's so many folks. Uh, that have those products, it's just you know really a matter of time before somebody finds one of these small ones if they're not really paying attention and doing their t- own internal testing and, and making sure. That they yeah, we've it. ruled out vendors uh, yeah. uh, like Solar Solar Winds yeah. uh, as an example where we're evaluating their Solar Winds, so we excluded them. Um, yeah, and of course Log4j kind of impacted everyone. Okay. Yes, um, and uh, everyone was caught on their heels and the remediation. Uh, for that type of effort was was critical, and I think most of the vendors, um, you know, complied. They, you know, they pretty much yeah. provided enough information. They communicated. Uh, it was a it was a pretty yeah. painful, but at the same time, uh, everyone was rowing in the same direction in the boat. Yeah. yeah. Now, do credit unions still like to go to sleep with their data? Yeah, I, I used to. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. The joke credit unions get yeah. very nervous if they can't hug their data yeah. and go to sleep. That's it. that's changing, it I is. think. Yeah, so uh, I've only been with Truestone for about two years now, and I would say um, they were very much an on-prem um, organization, and we're reevaluating that. And it was actually kind of almost directed from the board of directors, right? But their their perspective was, and I think it was legitimate, probably seven years ago, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, we cannot invest as much as like Microsoft um, or Amazon when you talk about security. And if you take the lens of it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and limiting that blast radius. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, going to the cloud totally makes sense. About eight years ago when I joined ongoing operations, you know, I think one of the NCOA's things was they liked the credit union to be able to point at where their data was sitting, right? Which kind of precluded being able to go into the public cloud. And then we saw that migration to 
Office 365 and putting email online, you know, and the NCOA kind of gradually got got better with it. And a number of credit unions that we talked to, you know, throughout the throughout the last year now are either actively moving services into the public cloud, Azure, AWS, right, or have plans to, you know, impending plans to, or testing them out. And you know, I know one credit union that's building their own own online banking in in uh, AWS. And so, you know, really the 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 migration is is now right, and it's it's they're they're less um, apt to uh, cuddle up with it at night anymore, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we're we're starting to look at that as yeah. far as kind of moving our uh, backups in for disaster recovery in the cloud, making sure there's an air gap so that we essentially, if there's a ransomware attack, we can recover. Um, so so we're we're moving that direction. I you know I anticipate you know that's. Probably that's this year, but as we get into 2023 and beyond, you know, kind of moving more and more. I remember what I read correctly. The thing about ransomware is that the attackers are very cognizant of the cloud. So what they're doing now is saying, okay, we're going to just publish a bunch of your data. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And have all with you. Yeah, you know, we're going to publish five percent of your member data. Yeah. Yeah. To show uh, they have it, they can do it. Yeah. And uh, and your members are going to freak out. Yeah. And to me, that's that's a big threat. You know, my data has been in the big Google Cloud for a long time, many years. So I don't even think about ransomware. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't concern me. I'm too little to bother with, obviously, too. But 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 yeah. And if they threaten to publish my data, I said, "Go ahead, knock yourself out." <laughs> yeah, there you Thank go. you. Yeah. Publicity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, just I mean, you know, you're talking into ransomware, right? That's you know, when we get to the the air gap backups and you know and, and the recovery portion of like of preventing ransomware, right? That's the the last ditch effort, you know, because if you're getting to your backup portion, right, you've you've already had a, a really bad day, and, yeah. and so really working with, um, you know, looking at it from a fintech point of view, right? They need to take those same precautions as as credit unions do, and and make sure they've got the right training in place because it's usually people that let the ransomware in. Right, you know, make sure they've got the right antivirus. They've got a sim. They've got all these monitoring tools, and you know that they're monitored actively and, and doing those same things to, to prevent it, so that we don't get to that that recovery portion. Otherwise, folks are you know releasing your data and, and whatnot. So, so ultimately, the decision about whether a vendor is acceptable or not is up to an individual examiner. No, it's actually up to the. It's a, it's really up to the business owner. Uh, usually, most credit unions. It, it really depends oh, on. No, the credit no, I understand oh. that, but an examiner oh. has the authority to say no. This exam, this this vendor is not secure enough. I mean, I think they ultimately could draw the line in the sand. But what I see most examiners want to do is see that you've done a risk based approach. Have you reviewed everything about them and made that active business decision based on any risks and, and rewards and you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a checklist they follow. Yeah. I mean, if you've, if you've kind of, um, done all those things, I, I think examiners are pretty fair. Yeah. 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 Especially it's with, as long as it's within the risk tolerance that the board set. Yeah. 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 Do fintechs ever say this is too much trouble and walk away? They probably don't stay in business if that's the case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you have to, I mean, that's the reality of our world today, you know? Um, so yeah. I, I haven't come across a fintech that hasn't said that, especially when you're dealing with people's money. Yep. I mean, that's well, I think there, there are probably some fintechs that don't want to mess with banking because it's so regulated. That's right. very true. Yeah. yeah. And now, not just credit unions, but also banks too. Yeah. 
Now, I mean, I haven't really come across any. I've come across, like I said, some bigger non, they weren't necessarily fintech providers, but, mm-hmm. but providers that credit unions were using that pushed back on some of the security requirements. And I've seen some of the credit unions go slightly different paths, but um, I, I don't know that they dropped out. It's, I think it just really depends on the, the level that the credit union really wants to, to press on some of these things. So vendors also are cooperative? For the most part, yeah. For the most part, yeah. I think some of the big, bigger vendors, especially when you t- start talking about financial statements and walking through some of those mm-hmm. due diligence, they'll they'll push back um, on that. But we have a, uh, a partner called In Contracts, and they do a lot of the legwork as far as kind of pulling that information together for us. So you look at financial statements for, for yeah, that's a it's it's a requirement. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not all vendors, but yeah, all the yeah, ones vendors. that are like yeah, critical, which are critical yeah. business apps, and yep. Yeah. And, and most credit unions label those as ones that process member data, you know, NPI data, or um, are critical to the business operating. Right? If it, if they went down, you know, you would stop business. So those ones, they have a higher requirement, usually annual reviews. You're reviewing financial data, requiring SOC 2s, uh, those sorts of things. Yeah, but they're used to it for the most part. Yes, yeah. 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 Now, do you have any parting suggestions for uh, for fintechs you know really getting ready to, to start up or as you build your product just think of security in mind you know go understand what the ncua is looking for pick a security standard whether you know it's nist or iso or you know starting with cis and build the foundational you know outside of just looking at your your software or your product really around your business processes right build security into the company from the ground up and it just if you're doing the right things all of your audits and exams and certifications just fall in line, right? Because that's really, they're, they're making sure you're doing the right thing, not that you're going to get a checkbox. And so if you start with that in mind, it really does make compliance uh, a thousand times easier. Yeah, I'd say uh, looking a little further out too, you know, in the past, um, members would bring money to banks to protect them, right? Here's, here's my money protected, make sure. You know, in the future, I could see them bringing you know, members information to banks, right? And how do you protect that? And how do you help me kind of guide in data management uh, across the board? So, you know, if you, if you look at where the industry's going and where, you know, credit unions can be that trusted partner for, for members, right? Just like we're protecting their money, we need to protect their data. And uh, it really is a ticket to play. So, you know, just like Shane said, as you're starting out, um, you know, focus on security, making sure that you have a secure application and uh, contingency plans and all those things that are required. Um, you can sell that as part of your value proposition. So you see financial institutions having a line of business revolving around customer data protection? Uh, some I could see it someday in the future. Uh, K, KPMG published a really fascinating white paper as far as kind of the bank of the future, looking at it was an Australian study uh, across the board, and they um, and I it just really rang true to me that you know that's exactly where I feel that banking's going. So it's not just it's not just the money; it's also that data uh, and protecting it, and also helping guide use it. Right? Uh, you know, how do you how do you pull it back? How do you you know make sure that you can look at your credit union as that trusted partner that will not only protect your data but also help you manage your data. That's interesting because. Most financial, or many financial institutions, have gotten out of the uh, safe deposit box business. Mm-hmm. 
So think of it as a virtual safe deposit yeah. box. And no. you think it like a crypto, um, you know, that's basically what they do when they partner with um, credit unions and fintechs or, or uh, banks. You know, they're a virtual safe deposit box for those crypto keys uh, for members. Yeah. Right, because I mean, you know, really looking at the underlying piece, the underlying what crypto is, is it's just data, right? right you know, right. it's yeah. So. yeah. But if you lose your, your Bitcoin login and account information, you pretty much lost that that money. Yes, which is a scary thing. And if you give it to a trusted partner to hold on to, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you think of a lot of the crypto fintechs; they. Uh, it's, uh, you know, essentially that's what they do. They'll partner with credit unions. It's just like a safe deposit box um, across the board. Yeah. So hmm. protecting protecting that data. I think we covered a lot. Do you want to say anything additional, anything left out? I would say if you're a credit union not big enough uh, to hire your own CISO, you know, I would say ongoing operations is a great one. And just don't take Shane Butcher from me. <laughs> <laughs> but. But yeah, no, just uh, again, you know, just start with security in mind and, and, you know, credit unions, again, focus on those security aspects, you know, when you're looking at fintechs, you know, to make sure that, you know, they're protecting your data properly and that they're, you know, going to help you with regulatory compliance. How many, how many credit unions do you think have us? It's a good question. Yeah. I, you know, I almost think, see it as requirement every, you know, for InfoSec, um, you know, policies, you have to have an information security officer. I'm talking would, about on staff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think it's very many. Not I many. would imagine, you know, once you start getting to eight billion and ten you know, ten billion and, and above, you're you're probably at a at a size where you need to hire a CISO. Yeah. Yeah, most less than that size, the the information security officer role is usually you know a named person that has some other role, but they're responsible for it, which is you know kind of where the, a virtual CISO from from anywhere would come in and help with that, yeah. that um, knowledge and. Well, at least some years ago, credit unions were kind of vague. They didn't really distinguish that much between a CIO and a CTO. Right. And to some extent, the titles were kind of interchangeable. Yeah. yeah. And, and credit unions, not necessarily in yeah. Fortune 100 corporations, but... It's kind of the same thing. I mean, I would say that true selling. You could say CIO, CTO. You know, there's only one, and that's me. Um, so I think it's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I really see up until you get to the, probably the 10 billion, you know, yeah. size. And you, when you have both, right, the CTO is generally focusing on the technology member facing, you know, new products where you have the CIO is more focused on the internal systems, the information processing. So um, at, at smaller credit unions, it kind of has to be both. Yeah, the CIO ordinarily yeah. would have the security function in his or her bucket. Well, no, I'd say it the other way around. A lot of times, uh, security is outside mm-hmm. of uh, IT, um, so it's in risk. However, it's always a close, tight partnership with, yeah. with IT. And the organizations I've come from, um, the C, the C, you know, security, the CISO was was reporting to the CTO. Yeah, that's interesting. It's also interesting that it's not necessarily in, in tech, but it's in in risk. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the, the credit unions. And, and really, the, the NCUA, as you grow in size, wants to see that security function mm-hmm. outside of tech and either go into risk or to, you know have a dotted line to the CEO or like we do even do with Truestone, you know, we quarter, uh, meet quarterly with their supervisory committee to, to report directly to them for Truestone, which kind of helps that um, reporting functionality because what they want to see is transparency, right? The, the worry and the risk is um, if... 
technology who is also responsible for security is doing the reporting to the board, right? You may filter that information. So they like it to have a, a, a reporting structure outside. So you have that independent view. Yeah. Board to understand these security issues? I would say a good board uh, compiled. You have a technologist sitting on the board that actually, you know, asks you difficult questions to drill into it. And I would say, you know, we're fortunate within yeah. Trustown. We have a, you know, very strong supervisory committee that has technologists there that ask just absolutely great questions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think from a board perspective, I think the challenge when when the CISO is outside of IT reporting to risk, often you know uh, they don't understand it. They don't understand the technology. Um, so although you're kind of checking the box on the reporting structure, um, you know, it's still yeah. basically a IT function. Yeah, it's part. Yeah, it really. I mean, the the working relationship has to be there with IT for the transparency. But point with the boards. Um, I mean, the boards don't necessarily understand all the technical aspects, which is kind of where you have to present those things in, in the risk, right, to the risk to the, the credit union. What does this mean? You know, how, how is this affecting the, the credit union? How are we mitigating it? And, and they understand it from those points of view. But it's really actually, I, I don't know that it's surprising, but given the information, you know, technology risk that we have today, um, a lot of boards really understand, you know, what is a bad, you know, vulnerability, you know, report mean? What is a bad, you know, penetration test mean? Those sorts of things. And really drill down on some of the, the credit unions. The CU 2.0 podcast.